This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today, it's the beginning of virtual winter meetings. That's right. You could choose any location that you want to have them. It could be Maui. It could be right here in Philadelphia. It could be San Diego again. I'll put my mind right back in San Diego. But this winter meetings is different like any other. And it's virtual. So with that, we're going to go virtual and talk to Matt Breen. The Philadelphia Inquirer right here next on Pine Tar for Breakfast. What up, and welcome to another episode of Pine Tower for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter, and it is virtual winter meetings, and that is, yep, that's weird. Um, usually it is, you're going and you're looking in the lobby, seeing who's meeting with who. Oh, there's an agent. Oh, he's meeting, oh, he's meeting with them. Maybe they're going there. You don't have that this year, and, and, and it sucks. You know, that's something that we uh, we all wish we were able to have. Um, but it's not happening. So, I mean, we have a manager's meeting on Monday with Joe Girardi, uh, but that's Monday of next week. So we don't know where, when the virtual meetings really are, let alone are we in on anything. We don't know anything that's going on in the lobbies. So let's bring on <laughs> Matt Breen, the Philadelphia Inquirer's Matt Breen, Philadelphia Phillies up, beat writer. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Well, you know, uh, just confused. I guess I've... I've been confused for a while, uh, life in general, number one, uh, but just, just <laughs> direction of where the Phillies are going. And I think it started off with the Eddie McPhail, uh, press conference or, uh, what, how do we call those zoom conference? Yeah. Zoom, yeah. zoom video chat. I don't know. It's just direction we'll call it a press right? conference to make it sound simple. <laughs> it's just direction. Like where is our direction? Where's the Phillies direction? do you see as in, in this off season? I'm thinking back now, as you're talking a year ago, um, was it a year ago. Yeah. A year ago, GM meetings in Arizona, Scott Boris was talking and, and he always speaks over the top, but he wasn't, this was kind of on point of what the Phillies direction was that he said something along the lines of John Middleton, you know, is driving at, there's no stop signs, I think, in in his pursuit right now. Mm-hmm. And and if you he said that in October or no, November of last year of 2019, and when he said that, you weren't like, yeah, there are, but you were like, yeah, you know, he's right. The Phillies are, you know, they're aggressive. They've been aggressive the last few winters. They're plowing right right away. But now a year later, you know, there, it's not even that there's a stop sign. It's almost like they reversed or turned their car around and went the other direction, where they're not spending money. And we we kind of had the indication they weren't going to spend money in this offseason. And, and then that Andy McPhail Zoom conference kind of, you know, slammed, slammed that home that they're yeah. not going to spend money. And now you have a report 
from ESPN, even though John Middleton did go out and say that's not true, and Andy McPhail said that's not true, but Buster Olney's not, you know, a, a blogger in his basement that's making stuff up. There's, so where there's smoke, there's there's fire, and that he's talking about trade that the Phillies are open to trading Zach Wheeler. I don't think that means Zach Wheeler is on the market, but I think there's at least you can put an indication that the that line of thinking is in the Phillies' head right now that they would be more than willing to to trade some of their bigger assets, or at least they're just not going to spend money. And now, you know, how much has changed in a year? Obviously, the Ooh. pandemic had a lot to do with it. Season of empty seats had a lot to do with that. But it's really stunning to think of how much has changed in a year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just crazy to think that a franchise that is so proud, right, in the Philadelphia Phillies, and, and things felt like they were changing right after the Bryce signing, uh, you get the JT first, the JT Romuto trade, the Bryce signing, and then you know with the, the additions here and there, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, and now you get Zach Wheeler last offseason, and you're going, all right, I, I kind of see the direction. It's like we got enough here, we're gonna add a couple, and then and then it just stops. Like that, that's what it feels like. You 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 get to that that juncture. And I'm I'm just trying to see the fork on the road because I feel like there's not one or two ways. There's like three or four ways that they're going, and it's trying to get it on track. Is, is that kind of on point with what you have? Yeah, I think it, it took a lot to get baseball back in the, the forefront of you know the city, and, and they they were able to do that. But that was only two years ago with the Bryce Harper signing, and how quickly has baseball taken a back seat? In, in this city right now where it's almost irrelevant and not only is it not relevant, but there's no, there seems like there's no optimism. There's no hope because they, they reassigned the general manager in the first week of October or the middle of October. And now we're almost at Christmas and there seems to be no hurry to hire somebody, even though they're having interviews. So, so there's no like, just traditional like if you reassign somebody or you fire somebody you you start an interview search they just yeah. didn't do that it was like so weird it was like well what what are you doing you know i, I just it, none of it made sense and now here you are there's they're doing second interviews this week with candidates but usually when you do that it's because they're going to hire somebody on friday mm -hmm. but then i'm talking to someone today and they're like i mean I don't know. We don't really know why they're doing, doing second interviews because we don't know for sure that they're going to hire somebody. So it's just, it's confusing. And it's, it's honestly disappointing where, where you can, you, know, you look at it and you see, you see how much this team means to people. And it was neat to have the Phillies back and they, they had a chance and now it's just, and they still, they're, they're not, it's not like they're going away. I mean, no, they, they still no, have a no. chance, but it's just, if they continue the way they're going and, and you know, if they, they don't want to spend money if they do want to trade assets, if they don't want to hire a head of baseball operations, then it's just to, you know, you're setting yourself up for to really, you know, fall to irrelevance. Yeah. And what it comes to for me is the excitement part when Bryce signed, right? The, the city was just buzzing and it was buzzing for a while. And then it goes through spring training. And then in the first weekend, I get the sweep against the Braves. You're going, oh my God. Like that was the peak already. Yeah, the Reese Grand Slam. And and you're looking at this thing going, man, you know, I have I I don't know if we can get there with a signing or two. Like signing back JT doesn't bring that excitement. I think it's uh 
in that in that spot where I say we're I am confused. Like usually I have an idea of like what what the idea, what where we're gonna go with this, what we're needing. And you bring up the the Buster Olney, the the rumors, and it's like man, I went through the being on the radio in San Francisco and the Niners going through their search for a coach and then a GM, and it was randomly it was John Lynch, but he kind of tested the waters. He wanted to see who was leaking stuff, leaking information, because leadership does that, right? Leaders don't let crap out of the building. And right now there's way too much going on, and I feel like that's hindering a lot of the plans or the ideas or the, the direction that we are trying to go. And it probably doesn't help that there's, you know, you talk about leaders, they don't have technically a leader of baseball operations right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, that hurts. And, um, but like going back to what you said in the beginning of that about, you know, maybe you can't bring that back with a signing, but I bring up the Sixers real quick, how the Sixers were almost in a similar state of flux and frustration and, you know, people almost checking out over the summer when they lost in the playoffs down in Orlando, they hit a home run by hiring Daryl Morey. And now the Sixers are back because you can look at Daryl Morey. You can listen to him. You can listen to his plan. You buy in, you know what, this guy's a smart guy. I'm going to trust this guy. So that's what the Phillies have to do. They have to find somebody. If it's, you know, Thad Levine would have been, I thought a great candidate, but he backed himself out of of the conversation. But to me, that was the Daryl Morey. That was the home run. So you have to find that guy. You have to hit a home run. And you can't you panic. To, you can't panic you can't. if he doesn't if he doesn't fall in your lap now. What do you do? Like you can't you can't panic and make a move just to make a move because I feel like they've in in you know obviously it was uh Matt's decision to step down. Usually that is coincides with a lot of different things, but I I just feel like A didn't equal A, a, a didn't equal B on this one. <laughs> It went many different routes when, you know, he got reassigned and, and you're looking at like, eh, well, uh, I have no clue. The Sixers, they kind of did it a little bit backwards, but you still have a guy in charge that, like you said, you believe, you understand he's not feeding you BS. And if he is, he does a good job of it. <laughs> you know, I, I just feel like that's, that's the difference right now is we're seeing a franchise doing an about face with the Sixers with players very like almost two similar situations as far as having players, maybe not the, the, the elite superstars, but you got one. Yeah. It, and it, you could have two if you have, yeah. you can point or you have Aaron Nola right now you have two guys, you know, Harper and Nola who are premier at talent on the roster that you can point to. And then you, you bring in a smart GM. And if that brings in Real Muto, now you have three, you know, premier players with, with other guys that are, could take a step and be premier. Like the talent's here. It's just a matter of filling out, you know, and, and making, you know, because there's so many holes around that talent. And that's where you need a smart GM. And if, if you're not going to spend money, you need to be crafty. You need to be smart. And that's where you also need, you know, that, that home run hire to come in and, and take that because you, you know, just I, went full I, you, beastie boys right there. He's crafty. Yeah, I do love the beastie boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, you give me a checkbook, like I, I could sign a bunch of guys, mm-hmm. you know, I, but if you need to be in this game, you look around, look at the Dodgers. Yeah. They have oh. a, a super high payroll, but they also made a ton of great smart decisions. Yeah. 
All these teams. So that's well, how it's you been win. going on for years with the Dodgers, right? It was almost before even the the ownership changed hands. They mm-hmm. had talent in the organization already, and it was now just starting to keep on adding within the organization. Like as far as the farm systems, not trading away smart trades if they were to trade. Um, but it was the accumulation of talent, and it was you know, drafts are not easy, not one bit. But I feel like when you have scouts uh that are that are on the same page as you know gms uh president of baseball ops i feel like you see you you start to see the game through their eyes and what they like and you know who's the best talent what you know and it just wasn't matching up and it was where would the disconnect was but that's how the franchise like continues to go back right is the homegrown talent you gotta have it and you got to have a lot of it. Exactly. You need to, if you're going to spend money, you need to su- su- supplement that money with homegrown talent. And you're starting to see, you know, Alec Bohm obviously was, you know, a success story. But you, you need to hit more than just your first round pick. You, you need to hit your first round pick and you need to be, you know, su- also supplementing more than that. And, and that's where the last five years, where the whole point of this was to get high draft picks. To not spend money for a while, they, they really they came out of it and didn't have much to show for it out of that that yeah. rebuild, and that's that's why they were in the position they were this year. Yeah, and it's like the Bryson Stott, right? So Bryson could be a perfect pick. We don't know mm-hmm. because last year was such a, I think would have been a huge year for him. It, I, I think for the franchise in itself would have defined it a little bit better had he had a full season finally, right? I mean, not finally, but for the first time. Yeah, uh, and, and he goes through the ups and downs, does that all that. Um, I just feel like, you know, with, with his progress, it's almost word of mouth. You see it, you know, through through the the, the sixty man pool, all this stuff in Lehigh Valley. But man, the growth that he could have had, and it could have helped define what is coming. You know, as far as forward, you know, Morales, same thing. Um, you know, did would have Luis Garcia had that bounce back year. You know, it's just. It, there's so many questions because so many franchises have to deal with this, but it's more or less like we, we have a couple that we're banking on, not a whole array of guys where you're going, oh, yeah, we got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. We just don't know. We only have no. a couple that we could talk about. And it's going to be interesting to see like what does what did last year mean to the minor leagues? Like what, what did Bryson start? Is is that, does that count like for a year for him or is Mm -hmm. that, do you put him back where he would have started last year? And then he's getting to the majors a year later. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's definitely because you you need him, you know, quicker because he, if he, ideally you could use him in his position right now. Yeah, and but he's obviously not ready right isn't now. Isn't that is, unbelievable? Is he a whole year behind? Yeah, where he would be. Yeah, and that's that. That is such a that question is where you look at you know the front office and you go, sorry about that. Like I feel bad for you because you're having to make a decision. You know, obviously losing Didi uh, or not. You know, they could resign him and all that stuff. But it is with that season. You know, Bryson could have gotten hot in April, jumped up to Double A, right, and yep. had that that I don't know. 90 at least games in in double a or 80 games in double a and is that going to define him no but it's a that's a hell of a benchmark right now you're going you bring up the point like where do you start him 
Yeah, because like, if that happens, now yeah. he's in Allentown, or he's in Reading, then he's going to Allentown this year. And next thing you know, once you're you're there, you're you're you know, an hour and fifteen minute drive from the ballpark. So, yeah, it just oh man, there's so all right. So let, let, let's talk about the knows that the things that we do know. Yes. Uh, Nola, Wheeler, Eflin, one, two, three. Uh, that's solid. We know that. Four, five, huge question marks. Vince Velasquez was tendered a contract, which is, I, I don't know if it's surprising uh, on my end based on the unknowns of, you know, just the pandemic and everything that's going on. You just, you just have no clue, right? Yeah. Uh, the pen is the biggest thing. We, we, do, do we I, put, I, I would put Howard as a, a no. Uh, like, I think we know he's going to be the number four. Yeah. Right. I just look, there's too many questions with me. I love Spencer Howard, but here's the but. When you and you have X amount of starts in the minor leagues that are, you know, you average basically five innings a start. I think it was like four and two thirds mm-hmm. for his entire career. You're going, man, can you bank on that? You know, are we gonna bank on on Spencer Howard being able to bounce back and, and have that year? I mean, it's two years in a row with kind of shoulder issues. And you're going, uh. so I'm going to, I hold off on no, you're going to put a no, like, you know, he's going to be number four. Yeah. Um, I, I would. And also I would like to see him. Yeah. I, this season's not going to start on time anyway, I don't think, but I would like to see him, you know, have it a normal spring training and then start the season in the major leagues mm-hmm. and, and see how much that benefits him compared to being in spring training, then being in, you know, coming back for the, the summer camp and then going to the satellite camp and then coming to the majors. I just think it was a lot for a guy like that you said that has injury history um, uh, to make his major league debut. It was just it was just a weird yeah, season. I mean, I'd like to see him normal as normal as possible. No, no routine for him. He had no routine. Yeah. And he talked about that with me. It's like He goes, it's not an excuse. He goes, it's just like I'm not – I don't know what to do. Like because of timing issues, because of testing, all this stuff, it's like <laughs> – Getting on that routine, getting all this stuff, and then you have in between starts. You have eight days. You have nine days. You have four days. You know, it, he just had no idea where and how to get ready. I think that that's the biggest thing um, with the pen. There's so many unknowns. Archie Bradley came available in a non-tender, and you're going, "Oh my god!" Like that would be the perfect start, right? Yeah. Archie Bradley fits perfectly. Uh, plenty of others that are available. Liam Hendricks, obviously, is going to be the big ticket one. Uh, my number one that I wanted this offseason was bringing back Trevor May. Now, Trevor May's with the New York Mets, which sucks because uh, he's really good. And what he has turned himself into is is fantastic. This team needed that. Yeah. Uh, what are your other needs in the pen or your wants? Like, who is your want? Liam Hendricks. I mean, that was like at the beginning of when you're just chalking up um, free agency. You you look at that and you're like, wow, you know, if that guy became comes available because he had to get um, a qualifying offer first. But if he becomes available, then you know that's a guy you jump on. But I think it's hard to say like Trevor uh, Trevor May. You you could have went after him, but who? There's no one. That's where it comes back to where there's no leader of baseball mm-hmm. operations right now. So like who's even negotiating with, with Trevor May, who's negotiating with JT Romuto hmm. where I think that's, it's hard to talk about Philly's free agency plan when you're not sure if a, they're spending money and B, 
if there's even anybody to, you know, who's responsible to, to make that move. So it, it comes back to, they had the his, historically worst bullpen last year, awful bullpen, obviously. And I, I think you, you need to definitely supplement it with one or two free agents. But I, there was also like some optimism of, of what's already there, mm-hmm. of what you saw. Like, oh, Connor you know, Brogdon? Jojo Romero, Connor Brogdon. Connor, Bro- Connor Brogdon. And I love it because, you know, like all the debunking in the, in the analytic world of, of writing about it is like, don't call him a dude. Like, that's not a – he's a dude. <laughs> like, I, I can double bird him, right? Like, he's yeah. a dude. What he showed with that – when he came back with that cutter, and you're going, yep. oh. As a hitter, I'm thinking, man, fastball – forcing fastball changeup, you're like, eh, you know, like, at some point I'll, I'll figure it out. But when he had that something for a right-handed hitter to go away from him, and that little that little cut, and you're going, oh god, like that 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 was a difference maker. So yeah, I him, JoJo, I I like a lot. But who else? Who else did you like? There's guys that we didn't even see last year. Damon Jones, mm. you know, a guy we've been talking about. Kyle Doey, a guy we've been talking about. Um, and then if you're gonna put Spencer Howard, if you're you know if you're gonna not put him in the starting rotation. He's a guy in the bullpen. I think you, you you have, like, you need eight, and you probably have four that are, like, and like you count Naris in there as a guy that's going to be in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So you have four or five that you can point to. You go out and you sign one or two, and this is where you, if you're not going to spend money, you got to be smart. And one of the, I'm thinking before we got on the phone, I'm like, what's the best move that the Phillies have made in the last five years? And it's like smart move, not signing Bryce Harper or you know trading your top prospect for JT Romuto. But with all due respect, move. you could say smart move with with Bryce was that. I mean, you look at his contract. You could say three thirty, but it goes down in the last couple of years. It's only twenty five mil a year. Like, I guess, but you're not spending money. Any, it's like yeah, but I what mean, avoid paying the luxury tax? And you're no, not no, no. But what go I, over anyway. But what I'm saying is, like that that twenty five mil a year is not a very like it's not an albatross no it's not and and that was that was smart but again the luxury tax by the end of his contract is going to be well maybe not now because of the pandemic but at the time was going to grow anyway so smart yes but i'm thinking like pat neshack mm-hmm. that that's what i'm you know the, the the first the way they got pat neshack the first time they got him for practically nothing in a trade with houston and he was an all-star so that's what they need to do. If they need to, if you're not going to spend money, you need to be smart and you need to find out, find who is that Pat Nishak, you know, other organizations do it every year. Phil Why do don't it, we? You know, I don't know. That, 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 that's, that's what a they question. need that's to get better question. at. If you're, cause you, your bullpen usually is not, you know, you don't bulk it up with, you know, five free agents and you spend all this money mm-hmm. in your bullpen. You, you, you get a lot of these Jojo Romero's guys that were starters in the minor leagues that, transition to the bullpen and had success at it so you have a couple of them and then you go get some cheap like non-tender guys that are available and there's a handful of them because of you know how weird this offseason has been and 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 maybe you know as bad as the bullpen was a year ago it's not it's not impossible that you know it can be turned around in, in, in a year yeah no, I, and what's crazy is that like the the Angels today acquired Rizel Iglesias from the the Reds, and you're going, ooh. I mean, wasn't great last year, but I mean, 
can you really, how much are we going to really say about last year for, for a lot of guys, right? Is it, yeah. is it an anomaly? Is it, how are they evaluating that, that whole thing? And you, you know, is Sonny Gray, if Sonny Gray was available, would you? I uh, definitely, especially with the, 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 the pitching coach that you hired. That's what that, that was my other no. point it was like, Hey, you, you got a guy like that who, you know, Derek Johnson and, and, and Caleb Cotham, who is now the, uh, pitching coach for your Philadelphia Phillies, um, they have a they have a great rapport with with Sonny Gray. It's it's two years, twenty million, I think, is left on his contract. That really isn't that much, and it's more of a known than anything. Let's say you add him, right? And now you have Nola, Wheeler, Eflin, Howard, Gray. It's a pretty damn good rotation. It is, and and, 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 I, and, and that helps out your bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, one of the best ways to help out to make your bullpen better is to have a better starting rotation there, and you're not asking the bullpen to come in in the fifth inning every night. So th- that that would answer that. They need to, I would think, they need to go out and get a starting pitcher on, in a perfect world, where a world that you're going to spend money, you would go out and get a starting pitcher. But you know, I, now I'm at the point that I think you have to start looking internally for that fifth starter yeah. if they're not going to spend money. Like I, I just. You know, a normal a year ago, if we were chalking this up, I would say they're going to go out and sign a fifth starter. But now I don't know if they're motivated to spend. So I kind of think you have to start looking at well, you know, who's a triple, who's a triple A that can start or convince Velasquez with a new pitching coach? Can he be the fifth starter? And you know, it's the things we kind of talk ourselves into every spring training. So, well, I don't know if you had a chance yet to to talk to Caleb, but. Uh, he's been fantastic, and I had a, a long conversation with him, and a lot of things stood out. There was questions of, yeah, I have to, I have to watch a little bit more. I have to talk to these guys a lot more. There's a lot more observation from him than just trying to know the answer and just saying it. Uh, I think that is huge because you're coming in now. If you're you're Caleb, you're following now. You're going to be the fifth guy the last five years. But you, you're following Brian Price, who a lot of those guys loved, who had a great connection with, and I think it didn't translate, I guess, on the mound is obviously with results. But if you're if you had a suggestion, if you had advice for Caleb Cotham, what would it be? It would be to be open and to be, you know, and he doesn't need advice from me. But yeah, he does. I, he, I think he's listening right now. When I tweeted, like, the, you know, the Phillies hired Caleb Cotham, data-driven pitching coach, everyone, and a smart hire, everyone's like, you know, a lot of people jump down my throat, like, oh, yeah, last time they did that, how'd that work out when they hired Chris Young? It's like, well, not every, you know, just data-driven doesn't mean you're all, the, it's the same person. Yeah. Or, you know, this guy pitched in the major leagues, um, has experience as an assistant pitching coach. He wasn't, yeah. you know, a head of scouting for a team. Um, and, and is almost this, you know, could, is young enough to be in the, in the Phillies bullpen next season. I, I think, and, and he's smart, you know, he's had experience at driveline. Like there's, he has a resume. Well, it, it starts out. Like I told him, I was like, for, you could say the driveline, you could say all this stuff, all you want. He started out at Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt uh, yes, is, is, is the, I mean, it is breeding pitchers, but they're, mm-hmm. they're smart kids. Obviously it's a great school. Derek Johnson was there. He was innovative then. These guys have learned. They've had great coaching. They have been taught. They have all these, 
you know, those those little uh, the markers, right? Most Vanderbilt kids that we've seen in the last few years are ridiculously talented on the field, but they're smart. They're upst- upstairs. They have the baseball IQ. Well, that can translate to coaching, too, and having a feel. And this guy seems like he has a feel for the person. And that, that and when that's you talk about dra- data-driven, is. yes, data-driven. He's, he, obviously, he's smart, Ooh. but I also think he's a coach at heart, and I think he's going to know how to you know connect on a human level to these pitchers. And uh, I think it's – I would be really surprised if it doesn't work out. You know, I, he's already had success in Cincinnati. You know, he comes from – you know, he's got a nice resume, like I said. I think, you know, he's going to – I think he would. he's going to be a successful hire. And and that's that's something you can, you know, cling to maybe if you're looking for reasons for optimism of how can this thing be turned around. That maybe – maybe he, he taps into Vince Velasquez. Maybe he tap, he takes Spencer Howard in the question marks that you have. Obviously, you don't have question marks about the talent. Mm-hmm. But there's question marks about you know using that talent and transition and translating that talent to the major level. Maybe Caleb Cotham you know taps into that a little bit more, and and next thing you know, not only is Spencer Howard might be your number four, but he's got the talent. You know, maybe he's pitching like a number one or two. You know, by this point, by the end of next season. So I, I like that hire. That's they they hit that. Joe Girardi you know hit that hire. Now it's it's just. Can you also make a smart hire? I know it always comes back to this, but can you make a smart hire in the front office? Well, how how many times do you go in an offseason and and you literally have question marks at every position up the middle? Catcher, yeah. shortstop, second base, center field. What, 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 and what? Like, where, where, where do we go? I guess we'll start at second base, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think catcher, I'm, I'm – Maybe I'm just pessimistic. I just JT Romuto in my eyes is is playing somewhere else next season. Could mm-hmm. be wrong, but I just I it just doesn't seem to be not even just now. There hasn't been momentum in months to bring back JT. So I'm just ex- expecting him to sign elsewhere. Um, second base where Scott Kingery was, you know, expected to be the mainstay at second base. He's still of those positions. That's you know, you, you have him under contract, under control for for a few more seasons still. So, you almost do you trade Scott Kingery to to upgrade somewhere else, or do you just hope that Scott Kingery can be your everyday second baseman? I, I don't know. That I, to me, that's that's one of the more interesting things of this off season, and and where a new GM comes in and has fresh eyes for things and doesn't have connections to people. You know, and it's not personal. I'd like to see what he does at second base if he keeps Scott Kingery or if he tries to flip Scott Kingery. Yeah. Well, I mean, because then that brings in like, okay, but what about Gene? Like, is he your shortstop? Well, last year we saw, and again, it was 60 games, but we saw a, a, a rejuvenated Gene Segura. Like, when he played third base, he was fantastic. Like, from he had the one bad play, I think it was uh, spring training game number one. Mm-hmm. spring training game number two he was right back out there and i was like whoa like he was getting he got after it and he played great and then he moved over to the second base and he was fantastic there and so that that draws the question is like where where we go with that where, where is gene segura next year yeah maybe he's like the puzzle piece of what's where do you need him to be next year mm. do you there's so many moving pieces like you know we saw today that Reese Hoskins is teams are asking about Reese Hoskins allegedly. So 
if you're trading Hoskins as Bone playing first base and is Segura staying and playing third, or is Kingery playing third and and Segura is playing second, hmm. and then who's playing short? I, I just it's so sounds like Abbott and Costello. Really, that's what I've thought of when I said that. But it's just I can't remember an off season where you know this is winter meetings week. Usually, there's an idea, especially the last few seasons where the Phillies were contending. You could point out their defensive alignment, or their you yeah, know, you could do the batting order. But now you and maybe at a couple like well, they're going to go get a right fielder or something. But right now, it's like I, I know it's so hard to talk about this team and what they're going to look like on opening day right now because you really have no idea what it's going to look like. And then center field. I mean, you like who's your center fielder? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I you would think Adam Hazley, but but it I, seemed <laughs> like he couldn't get on the field last year, no. and and the, Joe Girardi you know, still the manager. I don't think I just, that's a guy that I, I, I mean, I get right now, I guess I would say Adam Hazelwood would, you know, if I was managing the Phillies, he'd be my center fielder, but for whatever reason, he was not Joe Girardi's pick. And I, I don't think that's going to change. So, and, and Roman Quinn's still around. Mm. Yeah. It's just, I, I, don't I guess I leave both those out based on the fact of injury and we don't know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Because it, we could That's always a assume they could upgrade. <laughs> and they could the always upgrade. Of, you could upgrade, I think, in the bullpen, center field, starting rotation, and now obviously you have to address who your catcher is. But those yeah. were, for me, the the biggest um, places where they they could attack in free agency and spend to upgrade. So then it comes back to again, you know, the theme of this podcast of. If the Phillies are going to spend money, that would yeah. be a great plan. But I don't know if they're going to spend money. Well, look, I, they they have a couple guys that they could, like. If JT leaves, fine. I, that's his right, obviously. Like James McCann's out there, he would be um, unbelievable for a way cheaper. Yeah, he price. really would. Last uh, two seasons were great. The last two were great. Once, I mean, look, certain guys it takes a while to figure out. He figured yeah, it out. No shame in that. And you know what? Everyone that talks about James McCann with the White Sox talks about a leader and there you need it, right? More leaders, the better. And and I yep. feel like, uh, you know, you, you, you would lose JT. Yes, but you still gain in James McCann. And, and I, I feel like they, they go into this year with, uh, you know, Andrew Knapp and, and Marshawn as your catchers, because that's where it is right now. Right. You're going like, uh Oh, but if yeah, you're going with James McCann and, and Andrew Knapp, I mean, again, do you feel comfortable? There's not a big drop. Like it, maybe there's athletic. a drop off, obviously, because JT's the he is. You know, I know it's set thrown out, but he's the best catcher in baseball, and I think you know he's a special player. There's a drop off, but you can survive with James McCann. Yep. I think that's it's a very strong addition if they if they are able to do that, and that if they lose JT. But if you come in with Knapp and Marchand, that means that you didn't, you know, you had an offseason where you just punted on everything. Yeah. Probably. You know, you probably just. I mean, you didn't even punt. You just went onside kick on everything. Yeah, really. <laughs> just took a safety. Just, you, just you, you did it like, uh, who had it the other night where they just took it and just ran it and it, they, they went 30 yards to take the safety on the punt. Yeah. <laughs> and basically wanted to end the game. And the other team had a chance at like a chip shot. You're going, ooh, that was the Philly season right there. <laughs> like that's the Phillies offseason. You're like, no, don't don't be that. Don't be that. So, well, Matt Breen, thanks for coming on Pine Tower for breakfast. Talking 
a little bit of the virtual winter meetings. I mean, I didn't see. I got to get back down in the virtual. Yeah. Hotel did you lobby see? Here. Did you see anybody in the lobby today? Yeah, I saw um, Joe Girardi walk through. John Middleton's right here. There he is. Nice. Hey, John. All right. hey, John. Every, everybody's here. This is unbelievable. I don't know, I don't know where you're at. Oh, I'm, I'm hiding. Hello, yeah. Matt. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Kev. Thanks for coming on. Matt Breen of the Philadelphia Inquirer, your Phillies beat writer, is awesome. One of the funniest dudes I've met and knowledgeable and, and just lays in the weeds, finds a story, writes it perfectly, and then we have a good conversation about it. So, uh, like Matt, there, there's a lot of unknowns and, and, you know, we're not the only ones here that are thinking that it would, we're like you, the fan, uh, we are the fan, uh, of the Philadelphia Phillies. We're just confused on what route they're going to go. And, and until then, hopefully in this virtual winter meetings, we'll find a little bit out. And when we do, oh, oh you're going to find out right here on Pine Tar for breakfast. And I appreciate you coming and visiting me. Hit that podcast. Like. Make a review. I don't care. Whatever you want. At Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Till next time this week. Sometime this week. Next time this week. Sometime this week. Peace. Kevin Franzen out of here. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on the wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazon's the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.